Hello, everyone. It's Tracy here with the Lincoln Law Pod. The Lincoln Lawyer Season 2 is almost here. We have learned that the season will come out in two parts. The first five episodes being released on July 6th. And then the last five, the second half of the season, will come out on August 3rd. So we get to spread out the party a little bit. So I decided to sit down for a deposition of sorts with two expert witnesses, the co-showrunners of The Lincoln Lawyer, Dalen Rodriguez and Ted Humphrey. So I asked them about a few things we could expect. They told me about things we can look forward to, provided some insight on the writer's strike. We even had a, a short appearance of, a, a, of an adorable pug, not Winston, but very, very cute. If you haven't heard before, Ted has pugs, very big fan. So I hope you enjoy what they have to share and it gets you even more pumped for season two. We're also hoping to confer with them again about different episodes as we go throughout the season, much like we did with Ted last year. He so generously gave some of his time to talk about some specific questions for different episodes. So we're hoping to have them back for more of that. But for now, let's hear more about season two of The Lincoln Lawyer. Hi, Ted. Hey, Tracy. How are you? Nice to see you. I'm good. How are you? Um, I'm okay. Hello. Hey, hey this is this is Tracy, who's been Hi, like Tracy. a stalwart's champion of the show <laughs> since, uh, since the beginning of season one. Big awesome. big fan. Nice you. Big fan. It's so nice to meet you. One thing I wanted to start out with, and the answer may just be no, <laughs> but I'm I'm curious if any of the viewers feedback, maybe on social media or just their response, anything that particularly seemed like resonated with viewers, maybe something you heard on a podcast or read in an article. We'll joke around sometimes on our podcast and be like, if anybody's listening, you know, like we like a particular character, we want more of them, you know, things like that. Has any of that viewer response impacted at all your decisions on season two? Um, That's a really good question. Let me think about that for a second. Sure. Um, I I was sitting while there's not necessarily anything that jumps out at me, mm-hmm. I think it's inevitable that 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 you respond to the things that people are responding to, mm-hmm. and you inevitably kind of write to those things. Look, the the there was a lot of really positive response yes. to Mickey to casting Manuel as Mickey to the kind of exploration of Mickey's Latino heritage in. Mm-hmm what felt like organic, not hitting you over the head with it ways. Um, But we didn't write to that anymore in season two than we would have otherwise. It just, we were, we were gratified that people responded to it. I think that's all. Um, I mean, I I would, I would have to say though, that we did, we did explore that a little bit more. I would say bringing in his mom into the storyline and stuff like that. So, so I think we, we explored it a little bit more in the sense that it's just, a natural extension of his character and his personality that he speaks Spanish with his mother. And, you know, to me, it's always, I've written on a lot of Latino shows. So for me, it's like, it's really important to make it feel authentic and, but not feel also that you're like hitting people over the head with, 
that part of the story, you know, sure. just has to feel natural and authentic to Manuel. So I think we found ways to do that. And 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 we've talked a lot about how LA itself is a character of the show. And mm-hmm. one of the things about Los Angeles is that Los Angeles has 40 over 40% of Los Angeles is Latino. Yeah. So that, that just is a natural thing that happens in the way that we cast the show and the way that the show is, but we aren't a Latino show. Yeah. I mean, right. No, I know exactly what you mean. And that was actually one of my, my questions as well, that, that there did seem to be such a great response to the representation of Latino culture and that it felt very authentic. So I was just going to explore that some with you, but you you pretty much answered that. And it sounds like you went, like you said, a little deeper maybe, um, but, but in that still that natural sort of, authentic way. So I think that's awesome. I, I had wondered if you can tell us any scoop, no spoilers, of course, about the sort of the circumstances of having uh, Mickey's mom current day in the series, or do we just have to wait and see? <laughs> and we saw flashbacks last year, but it's going to be different this year. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I guess I would say wait and see. It, it, okay. it's, I'll say it's fun. I mean, I think we okay. feel like the character's fun and we have fun with it. It's not a character that you, I don't know if it's clear in the books if his mother is alive or not. It's quite clear that his father is not. And right. we heard that in the show, it's not clear if his mother is still alive or not. You mm-hmm. kind of sense that she isn't because he doesn't really mention her or whatever, but right. other than in flashback. But we, you know, we, we just decided to have fun with it. And I was, we had a lot of fun on uh, when I did The Good Wife. We had a lot of fun with the character of Alicia's mom. I says moms can be fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so this felt like a fun mom character to play with and we had fun yeah. and we cast the wonderful Angelica Maria who's amazing in the part so awesome. who I mean is, it also adds a whole element to it because you know the character is a soap actor and she herself was a soap actress okay in America yeah. so it it lends some uh some reality to that part which sure is super, yeah. yeah yeah there's a there's a there's a meta quality to that um yeah to, uh, j- just to circle back really quickly to your first question, because there is a, I yeah. think there's a point to be made on that, that okay. as it relates to streaming as opposed to, say, like broadcast. When in traditional broadcast TV, which Dale and I both have a long experience doing, you did have this ability to almost write to the audience. Like the audience would, you know, in almost real time, you, the audience could yeah. react to something in the show. And if it seemed like people were liking something, you could write more of that. And if it seemed like they didn't like a character, you could kill that character off or whatever. <laughs> and streaming is like a different animal because you make these things in a little bit of a vacuum and put them out there. And then people are, you're just kind of crossing your fingers, obviously, like you always do, hoping people like it or they don't. Mm-hmm. And we were just gratified that that people really responded to season one. So in season two, you know, I think the best thing to say is that we've we've done our best to give everybody a lot more of what they liked in season one. But yeah. it wasn't it wasn't even because we were reacting to them liking it. We were we were going to do it anyway. It's just organic to the books and everything. Sure, it's just great that they enjoyed it. That the audience yeah. enjoyed it. So hopefully, if they enjoyed season one, they should love season two. It's just naturally a win win for everybody. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, besides you know, the caseload, and, and I, we may be following up on some other cases, maybe we'll talk to that a little bit later on, but what is something that you could tell us that, if anything, that distinguishes in some way season two from season one? Can you think of anything that you did differently, maybe with emphasizing certain characters differently, or just sort of a, the focus or a vibe? Yeah, there's a couple of things that we could say that are different. I think one is a big character change for Lorna because Lorna is now much more involved in the case is not just managing the office, but actually 
uh, work working more hand in hand with Mickey as she's in law school. Okay, so that's a big, that's a big difference because he's not alone. Yeah, um, you know, at that uh, defense uh, table, mm-hmm. so that, that adds an element that's different. And I think, um, and I don't think this is a spoiler. This is kind of in the trailer that he has an emotional relationship with his client. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, which makes yeah. the entire case very different. Sure, um, sure, it makes it more personal. Yeah, it's like a guy that he needs to win this case so he can get his career back. This is right. like, I need to win the case and I hope to God she's innocent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's somebody that I actually yeah. kind of care about. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's a very different emotional story for Mickey, but also because of that, I think it's, if there's one word I would use for the season and Tad jump in, if you, if I'm characterizing it wrong, is that I think that this, this season's a little bit more fun. Okay. I can say that. I think it's, um, yeah, I think it's a, a slightly, I think Mickey's enjoying himself a little bit more this season as right. as opposed to like being a um, dour coming out of his previous yeah. circumstances. And like, so he's in a, a, a much lighter place. So I think that okay. this season is a little bit tonally, a little bit more uh, in that way. Is that, is that right, Ted? Uh, yeah, no, I think that's right. I mean, I think, there's still plenty of real emotional stakes for Mickey yeah. with with Maggie and Haley, with his ongoing life and career, even with, you know, the continuing sort of coming out of his addiction and so forth. And then, as Dalen's pointing out, with a new relationship that then turns into something very fraught, you know, when um, so it's not that that stuff's not there, but the show the show is definitely a little more fun than season one, maybe. Um, and and I also think it's just, this is kind of maybe inevitable for season two. Sometimes season twos, I mean, every show is different, right? But I always feel like in season one, you're figuring out the show. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, in this case, we were adapting books. So obviously certain things are figured out already, particularly kind of plot wise and whatnot. But um, in, in adapting those books to the screen, a lot of stuff has to be fleshed out. A lot of characters have to be fleshed out. Lorna and Cisco, for example, are right. fleshed out a great deal from the books. And season one, you're kind of figuring that out as you go along. And but you get to season two, and you have a much better understanding of who those characters are and what what works for them and what doesn't. So I think you know we went into season two with a better kind of thirty thousand foot view, holistic understanding of what the show was and and what worked and what didn't. And that that makes sense. And that yeah. that makes it e- easier to write, but also I think better in the long run. So, yeah. yeah, you're at a different stage with the yeah. characters and and the writing. Okay, now I'm curious if if you can share if there's any sort of time jump in going into season two. Like we have a some very bitter type situation between Maggie and Mickey at the end of season one, but there's images released and so forth where they're smiling and look, you know, genuinely happy, getting along, whatever the case may be. So I kind of wonder if that means there's been some time for water over the bridge, or can you say? Yeah, I mean, it, it's six months. Is that what we said? said Dylan, yeah, months. so I mean, it's, okay. it's basically picks up six months after, and it's, you know, in, in the books, and we've tried to hold to this, Mickey mm-hmm. and Maggie are, they can be at odds with one another in lots of ways, but they always try and kind of keep it together for Haley and mm-hmm you know, try and be as reasonable as possible. So we're, it's sort of that kind of relationship where yes, six months have passed and there's time for the uh, immediate wounds to heal a little bit. And okay. it's not that they're 
best friends again, but they're civil to one another and whatever. Yeah. Okay. And uh, is it safe to say we can expect to pick up with things that were left open at the end of season one or not necessarily? We kind of felt maybe a bit of a threat for Mickey. I don't know if we're going to circle back to that this season or if you just can't say we know it sounds like Lorna is is you know proceeding with her law school work we've got some information hanging out there with Cisco we're a little concerned for him but anything so, you can share that threat will be <laughs> that threat will be addressed I guess that's the only thing okay okay, okay. All right. at, at some point and in some way that threat will be addressed okay okay now let's talk about you all working together so Ted you were showrunner alone on season one now you have this great partner how does that change the way you, does that, has that, how has that impacted the storytelling? And just, do you guys have sort of a, something that works uniquely for you two working together? Do you have sort of this routine or something that clicks? Um, our routine is that we like each other. So That's good. That's a good routine. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good routine. <laughs> I don't know. You, it, 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 I mean, show running is a, show, show running is a very difficult job. So when you can get two people to do it that that can share the burden, mm-hmm. it makes the job a little bit easier. I think that it's what's great about us is that we're good sounding boards with each other. Okay. And, you know what I mean? I think like it's always good to have an extra pair of eyes that can say like, hey, maybe we should do this instead or would this work, be- work better, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think like we're we're just there to keep the story honest and, you know, m- make sure that we're hitting our... Uh, our calendar and all our schedules, making sure we get our scripts in on time and and mm-hmm. making sure that the actors have somebody that they can always talk to if they have questions. Yeah. Oh, one of us can be on the set. One of us can, you know, be covering a little bit more posts. You know, it just it, it's 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 been good. I've really enjoyed working with Ted. He's become a really good friend of mine. I would say that he would say the same thing about me. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. We both have cute, ridiculous smush face dogs <laughs> I, I just learned that yeah <laughs> i was true. like any 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 writer who likes to put pugs in their shows that's like my that's my soul yeah. So. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so. that's a very good sign very good sign. It, it has made i mean i will speak up and say i think it has made the show better like you know like we we just got done saying i just got done saying i think season two is if anything better than season one and to me that's not an accident. Yes, it's partly that season twos are easier and you you figure things out, but I have a great mm-hmm. part to do with it's such a it's such a demanding job that it's great to have yeah. two people to, you know, otherwise you will you will work 24-7 and still not get everything done. But the the key is that those two people have to be on the same page story-wise and everything. And we are hundred percent. So it it's worked out really, really well. Yeah, That's we great. have like a um and also for me coming into the show, it's like, do I vibe with the tone of the show, the way the show's mm-hmm. written, the way that Ted writes the show, I have to sort of like come in and see like, okay, do I, am I a good mix for that? And I feel like, I feel like we've done a really good job sort of making that seamless. Also, this was, this was a challenging book to adapt because it was, it's, it was so long ago, right after the housing crisis. So mm-hmm. we really had to take like look really far away from the book and really see how can we adapt this for now for you know 2022 23 and I think it was helpful it was me me Michael and Ted had on our own where we just basically sat and figured out okay before we brought in the writers like what is okay what is this 
the season. And I think that that was a time where me and Ted had a long time where we could see how we were going to work together. And I was, I was really happy after that, that, uh, that time working with Michael and Ted and cause I'm the new girl. Right. <laughs> so I'm like, ah, <laughs> like me. And, uh, you fit in um, brilliantly. Um, but I mean, the show, like season two really is just as Dylan was saying, it's a product of all of our DNA yeah together and season and the writers one, and the writers room and the well. writers as well yeah. certainly yes but but we did have this great period before even we brought the writers in where we kind of were able to map out where we saw it going and yeah it was a luxury that um in season one we didn't entirely have just because of the weird fraught way that season one was made you know it started at as you are aware, Tracy at CBS, and then we moved to Netflix yeah. and mm-hmm. it changed from being a more open-ended show to a more closed-ended show. And, you know, it really just always felt like we were figuring it out on the fly. Okay. Um, so it was nice to have this period of time with with the three of us to really kind of map out, you know, and I would say that 90% of what we came up with in that period of time, we ended up sticking with. Yeah, yeah. especially the character, the, the character work that we did, I think for sure. Yeah. Um, with the way that we re- we reinvented the Lisa Trammell character from the mm-hmm. book. Yeah. Yeah. So if there's a, a chemistry test for showrunners, I, it sounds like you passed with flying colors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 All good. Um, speaking of the sort of, I, I guess maybe you're, you're alluding more to the currentness and modernization or you're getting like, again, to a more current point with the story versus the book. And you said that you worked you know together with Michael on that. As writers, is that kind of a fun challenge or is it a challenge challenge? I think it's fun. Okay. I think it's really fun. It fun. For me, it's so super weird because like, I didn't know Michael. So I was like, oh my God, he wrote these books. And is he going to hate that we want to like change all these things? And we have to, is he going to lose his mind? And he's like the nicest man. <laughs> I kept trying you know? to tell Dale, no, you don't have to worry about that. It's all I know. And I was panicked. I was like, what if yeah. I say I don't like something in the book? He's like, he's not going to care. And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> you know? Um, Michael was like so open and so excited to see how we could modernize it. And he was Uh really, really, really invested in how to make those changes. And, uh, I I thought it was super exciting. I thought it was fun. I've never worked with IP like that. So I, I, I thought it was challenging in a fun way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and that I that I was used to from season one because we had the same experience in season one. That Michael, I was gonna say, yeah, you did so well. Excuse me, in well, season one with Michael, that. Michael is not only good with changing and modernizing the books; he's like the first one to pitch it. You know, or the first yeah, one, to right? Say, yeah. This I never liked this in the book, or this didn't work. Exactly. In the book, yeah. Or it, it worked, but you know, it, it's it's outdated now. What can we come up with that's better? You know. So he's so um, refreshingly kind of not precious about. It's also that's also great for us sort of do with FaceTime with fans because like, mm-hmm. because he's not so precious, it allows, I think the fans to sort of go, okay, well, my, if Michael's <laughs> so precious about this, then like, yeah. let's see what happens. You know, I, yeah. cause I, I yeah. think that's cool to us as well. It does. It carries a lot of weight. I know with fans, you know, Michael's yeah. involved. He's heavily involved. He's behind this, you know, yeah. he's work, you know, so yeah, he's, he's really heavily involved. And he he has said this. I mean, I think we talked about this in season one, Tracy, maybe, or if, if I didn't talk about it with you, I talked about it with other people. But mm-hmm. uh, Michael says, and I completely agree with this, that the great thing about the show is not just Lincoln Lawyer, but Bosch as well, because the Bosch show changed a lot that was in yes. the Bosch books and yes. combined books and did that, right? And mm-hmm. we've done the same thing. And he said it enables the fans to experience the books again 
but they're different enough that it's you're not just watching a rote recitation of something you've already read, right? You're, Absolutely. You're, you still are going to be surprised and not know what, you know, be on the edge of your mm -hmm. seat about what's going to happen. And so he feels like for the fans, it's a win-win, which I would agree with. So. Yeah. Well, I, I know I've heard him, like you mentioned, several times in interviews, I think even with us before that he, he really likes that opportunity to either fix or expand, or change a character or a, you know, a scenario. So I, I think that's, that's really awesome that the show allows for that keep talking but one of those silly smush face dogs is pushing uh, the office uh, bring bring them on <laughs> oh my goodness sorry so, i don't mean to interrupt no, a very important question so adorable I, no, I just i don't know if you could could hear but just wondering if you guys wanted to educate fans and viewers at all about the writer's strike and what's at stake and and like i was saying we know that it's obvious that the writing is you know foundational to a show and its success and, and, and enjoying it but maybe something that we don't know or that you just wanted to pass along about all that's going on. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if we can expand on all the many articles and stuff that, I mean, I myself, I'm on the board of directors of the Writers Guild. So okay. we were very lucky on Lincoln Lawyer that we had a very sort of traditional 24-week room because that's not the norm in streaming. Although mm. in reality... We had the 24 week room, but it didn't quite overlap with production as much as we wished it had. Mm -hmm. The reality is what's happening is that the shift to streaming has made it that a lot of writers are going up the ranks and are not getting enough experience producing their shows, producing okay. their episodes. So what's happening is that we're not training the next generation of showrunners. Okay. And sort of the same way that Ted was describing network television, that it was almost happening in real time where you can mm -hmm. get a feeling from fans and you can sort of kill off a character or do something because you're seeing a fan reaction. Similarly, you had, you were writing while you were producing. So the room would still be going on while you were in production. So those writers okay. would write those episodes would go down to the set and be able to produce their episodes and have the experience of working with actors and directors and knowing how to make an episode of television. And that, that process is getting more and more divorced because of the way oh, okay. that does things. So in essence, we feel like that's having a, a really negative impact into the career that is television writing because we're not training the next, you know, generation of showrunners. When you don't have that training and then you become a showrunner nine times out of 10, you fail. And then everyone says, well, you were terrible at that. Well, I didn't have the training. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, that's one aspect. Uh, and also because of all these, um, sure you've been reading things about mini rooms there are these like mm -hmm. it was kind of like what ted michael and i did it okay we us work together but imagine if you then hired a, a few other writers and they only worked for 10 weeks and they helped you break the entire season and then you waited around while you to hear if the show was greenlit and then all those writers now had to go somewhere else right so continue on with the show and they're only paying them scale for 10 weeks and then they're searching for their next job so what happens is that it's created kind of like a gig economy so even though it appears that if you look at what scale is for a staff writer or a producer mm -hmm. it's very high but if you're only working 20 weeks here <laughs> it's yeah. not a lot of money so right. that's that's sort of um as much as we you know appreciate our uh streaming network netflix and they've been great partners to us Right. Uh, in general, the streaming system has created this problem and has suppressed wages. 
Okay. That has had a huge impact on what writing is as a career. So the strike okay. is really about trying to ensure that we can keep this as a viable <laughs> job. Yeah. Sure. I mean, that's the easiest way to explain it. I don't know if you want to add anything to that, Ted, but. I mean, Dalen is way more knowledgeable on this and <laughs> passionate about it as, as a board member of the Guild. Um, I get, you know, I would say, look, we're on this show, we've been very privileged that they treat us well. And, you know, even when we had that, what might be described as a mini room, we were paid fairly to do it. And it was, yes. you know, but and when but, we asked for help on the set, they, they, they heard us and they brought back our co-executive producer to help us on the set. Okay. So right. they have been. Right. They, they have, they have, they've been great, but everybody doesn't have the, the privileged experience that we've had. And I would say creatively, like the switch to streaming or to a shorter episode model mm-hmm. has in some ways been really great. Like I network TV was kind of great. I mean, it still exists. Just there, there are still network shows, obviously, but network TV can be great for certain things. But I always enjoyed like the British series that did six episodes and stuff, right? I mean, mm-hmm. creatively, it's great to do those short, shorter episode serialized shows. And that's what we are. And I think audiences love that. And there's been an organic shift in the audience demand for that, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not that we're thinking we're going to go back to 22 episode network shows. That's not going to happen there. There will continue to be some, presumably, but, you know, it's more about making this streaming landscape work fairly for people in in, in something approximating the way that a network TV landscape worked. That's right. Okay. That makes sense still. Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's very, that's very helpful. Now shifting gears, I think the decision to sort of split the season into the two parts for release is, is brilliant. I'm excited about it. I think it extends the excitement about the show. Definitely. I love it as a podcaster. We, you have more time to get things ready and, and share about the show. Can you tell me about where that decision came from? It was Netflix, basically. Okay. Right? Okay. They, they came to us and they've done it with Stranger Things. They, they, they've, yep. they've had a lot of success doing this with their uh, more successful shows, which mm-hmm. made yeah. us feel like there was a lot of confidence in yeah. our show the season. And the good news is that, you know, Michael's books always have these like great turns. So we had a natural cliffhanger already built in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for episode five. So when they told us that we're like, great, we have a great cliffhanger in uh, yeah. the end of episode five. So this will work, you know, we think it keeps the show more in the zeitgeist. People talk about it longer, yeah. you know, I think you could see that in any show that actually drops weekly as opposed to uh, binging. Mm-hmm. I, this is Netflix's version of doing that. They still like people binging. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's just a, a excellent happy medium. Is really cool. It makes the party last longer. So you know, <laughs> for us, for us as well. And and there, you know, I really like the way that like certain other outlets do this stuff with where they drop three and then they do one weekly or. I mean, I think there's a lot mm-hmm. of. Yep. And I wouldn't be surprised if in the future you saw Netflix even moving to some of that. You know, we'll some see. of that as well. Yeah. 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 What about uh, some of the, will we see some of the same, maybe judges, courthouse characters, maybe in the mix again? Yep. Some yeah. Familiar clients. faces. Okay. Um, familiar faces. Uh, somebody, uh, I believe it was Richard Roper 
wrote a review of the show in season one that I was so over the moon about because he compared us to the Rockford Files, which is like one of my yeah. all-time shows. Yeah. And, and one of the things I remember about the Rockford Files is you had like Angel and, you know, Gandhi and all these like wacky people yeah. that you interact with and obviously his dad. Um, and so, you know, it's not... It, it's not a conscious thing that we did emulating that, but it, it might be one of those shared bits of DNA that um, people react to. So we love bringing all those people back. Yeah, no, I think that, I think that can work very naturally because if someone is a bit of an informant or a helper in some way, you're going to want to go to them again for a resource. So I think we're looking forward to those are, I mean, they're not really Easter eggs, but I think people are looking forward to seeing some of those characters come back that sort of, sweep in, help Mickey out or give him some info and you know, maybe we don't see him again for a little while. So very cool. Well, is there anything else that you all want to share about the season or get out there to the viewers? We're super excited. I would say we're super excited about the, some of the new additions to the cast this season. We're, we're, we're super excited about Lana Korea as uh, mm-hmm. a we're super excited about uh, Yaya DaCosta who has come in to play Andy Freeman, who is uh, going to be, the Mickey sort awesome. of opposite number in court this year. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And there's a few others that I'm sure I'm blanking on, but uh, yeah. we really feel like we hit a home run with some of our casting. And yeah. In well, addition I, to our already great regular cast. So I'd say one indication of that for sure is that you have these whole groups and dedicated to Lana Perea fans and like oh, you did yeah. last and the, and, the, and, the, and the Nev Campbell fans. I mean, these fandoms are huge just for this one actor. So I, I'd say that's a pretty good sign of successful casting. And there's a, there's just a lot of chemistry between him and, and these, uh, and these great uh, performers. I mean, there's, it, I also think the, we, we had a little bit more consistency this season with uh, our cinematography department. So I think that the show looks really great this season. Mm-hmm. I, I just think it, it it just looks phenomenal this season. And there's some changes in that world for Mickey. Um, okay. Like visually, you'll see his office and stuff like that. So okay. changes. But I think the show looks great, you know. I would say production-wise, the show is better better meaning kind of the things Dalen's talking about that that we really nailed down the cinematography and we had um, an easier time producing the show kind of budget wise. And even just like we were dealing a lot more with COVID protocols and stuff in season one than we were in season two. It made some things difficult, Mm -hmm. but but really it was, it was, you know, budget and figuring out how to make the show. I mean, Truth be told, to pull back the curtain, we had a little more money to make the show in season two. And it, it shows up, you know, it all shows up on the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were, you know, there's a there's a couple of things where I go back in season one and go, oh, I wish we'd been able to do a better job with that. And I don't feel that way about anything in season two. I think we we really knocked everything okay. kind of creatively and or production-wise out of the park. So well, did, were you able to film on location just as much or more than season one? Yeah, people love seeing the spots in LA. About the same right? much anyway. Yeah. 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 Okay. We live in a different area. What's fun about our show is that we always talk at the beginning of the seasons, like uh sort of like how the first season was very like Malibu, very like mm-hmm. that side. Mm-hmm. Now we're exploring the east side of LA. We're mm-hmm. in, you know, like more like Silverwood Lake and uh, Frogtown and like seeing that part of Los Angeles. So like every season we sort of explore a different, a different part of the city than 
that's what's exciting to me that so few shows shoot in LA and LA looks so beautiful on camera. And there's so many things about LA. That's not just Beverly Hills, you know, right. Right. Aspects to it. And our show allows us to do that. Um, I can think of this one great, great moment where we shot in the Echo Park Lake at night and it just looks so gorgeous and you rarely see that. So Mm -hmm. that's super exciting. And also we got a really big famous LA band, the Silver Sun Pickups uh, to do two to do two cover songs for us. Oh, wow. Okay. One of them's in the trailer, the Joe Jackson uh, I'm a man. And then we got them to do another uh, cover of like, uh, it was Ted's idea of a Yoko Ono song, uh-huh. which is cool, unrecognizable, totally cool okay. to get like a real quintessential LA band like that. Um, yeah. Nice. Music for us is pretty cool. We're excited about that. We're, we're cool. going to be trying to help them uh, do some promotion on that as well, but they were yeah. so much fun to work with. And uh um, Butch Vig, who you may know as the person who produced Nirvana's Nevermind album, and and oh. it was the drummer for Garbage, the founder of Garbage, uh, uh-huh. produced the tracks, and oh, wow. they were recorded yeah. in his recording studio. It was Dale and I went and, and were there for some of the recording. It was amazing. Oh wow, that's cool. That's yeah, cool. that was fun. We're, I, I hope we can do it again next season with another band and like focus on another LA, you know, LA band that do something cool for us that would be a really cool like signature thing about the show to have that in different seasons yeah they will be releasing those if they haven't already they may already have it and then you can also look for coinciding with the uh i think with the release of the first batch of episodes you can look on spotify for the playlist uh, oh nice which we've put together that has all of the Pretty much all of the needle drops from season one and season two. Oh, very uh, cool. Yeah. Awesome. Including these songs that we're talking about. And then I think coinciding maybe with the second batch of episodes, we will include in that some of the work by our composer, David Buckley, that he wasn't able to get that done in time for the first batch, but I think it'll be in time for the second batch. So no, we have exactly. a soundtrack album. Okay. Soundtrack album. I don't know exactly how trailers come together and are cut and edited and who does the graphics and the narr- the narration, you know, and so forth. But I am a big fan of puns. I respond well to that. And I loved the puns that were in the, the trailer, the most driven attorney in L.A. I was, and then you, you see Izzy and everything. I just that's good stuff. I respond well to awesome. that. So. <laughs> I, I like I like a good pun myself. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I have to give credit to the Netflix like marketing team, they, they yeah, okay. that and okay. they actually, they actually do a really great job. Sometimes in the past, I've been less than overwhelmed by studio or network marketing teams, but the Netflix team really does a great job. Well, it also, it's just a, it was a great sort of vibe to it as far as in connection to Mickey, because we know he's not all flash, but yet that persona to the, you know, to the world can seem kind of flashy, you know, catchy, that kind of attorney. And so it just, it worked perfectly, I think, in the trailer um, to represent that. So that was fun. Well, thank you all so much. I really appreciate the time. And it's very, very helpful. And I think people will really enjoy what you had to say and get people even more excited if that's even possible for uh, season two. We we very much appreciate the support. and You got it. the the fans are ultimately not only why we do what we do but like how we get to do what we do right so anything we can do to get them excited or yeah yeah converse with them we are very happy to do awesome well thank you very much y'all have a good afternoon 
Thanks, Tracy. Be in touch. Thank you again. Bye. Bye.